How do social entrepreneurs and small businesses create an authentic brand people love so they can get the edge they need to stand out, create predictable revenue, and compete against the big guys? That's what we're here to discuss. I'm Adam Force, the founder of Change Creator, and this is the Authentic Brand Mastery Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. This is your host, Adam Force. Um, you might be wondering, Adam, what is going on with the show? I see a different name. I hear different music. Um, Change Creator went through a little bit of a rebrand, and we're excited about it. So, um, you know, this is the evolution of our business as we've made some updates and tweaks just based on things we've learned over time. And so, you know, this is now the Authentic Brand Mastery podcast brought to you by Change Creator. If you go to changecreator.com, you'll see our rebrand as well. Um, And we really want to lean into conversations about mastering your brand because we find that this is what's really been helping um, our customers, right? They need help on really figuring out their branding and understanding what that means to their business. And this is, in the end, helping people uh, have healthy companies that compete in the market and have predictable income, all right? So, uh, with that being said, if you missed the last episode, it was with Kevin Maney. I did confirm that it's pronounced Maney, not Manet. You know, we talked about category design, and um, he's got an incredible background as a journalist, and then he started his business helping people find their place. It's kind of like positioning, right? So, this, how do you find and carve out your own category so that you can uh, stand out there and kind of be your own thing and position yourselves that way in people's minds? So that's a great conversation to get into. And today we're going to be talking with uh, Jessica Fialkovich. I hope I pronounced that last name. That's a tough one. Um, and she is all about helping companies uh, understand what they need to do to exit. So she is in a business expert. She's also a keynote speaker and a small, she works with small businesses and <clears throat> she's an award-winning business owner actually. And she has a mission really to just help small business owners leave their legacy and sell their business successfully, no matter what size. So this is a fun conversation. It's really important because you may be thinking, Adam, I'm never selling my business or I just started. Um, Yeah, you you do need to be thinking about it for certain reasons. We're going to get into why it's important for you to have the exit in mind, even if you're just starting. All right. So this is going to be a good conversation for that. Um, All right, guys, a lot of fresh stuff going going on over at changecreator.com. If you want to work with me uh, to develop your branding and a website that sells for you, Uh, Obviously, this is a big part of what we've been helping people with now at our brand studio, which is a new division we added to Change Creator. Um, And it's been really exciting. We've been rolling out some really great projects and getting good results. Um, so yeah, just reach out. You can find our services there on the page. We have right now we have still have one spot open. Okay, we have one spot open um, before the roster is full. All right, guys, we're gonna jump into this conversation with Jessica. Okay, show me the heat. I know you're gonna dig this. Hey, Jessica, welcome to the Change Critter Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Adam. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you here. Um, You know, I love uh, the idea of keeping the exit in mind (laughs) for business. So, you know, this is something I think a lot of people overlook, especially in those early years, right? But um, that can really dictate 
our behavior uh, in a different way. So I'd love to just kind of dive into it a little bit more um, from the perspective of, uh, you know, the entrepreneurs in the first five years, right? Yep. So why don't you give a little background? I always like to know, well, what's exciting in your world now? Okay. <laughs> and how did we get there? So that gives us the, the background a little bit. Yeah. I mean, what's exciting in my world now is that about a year and a half ago, we launched, my husband and I launched our company, um, Exit Factor, which helps provide education and resources for people preparing to buy or sell a company. Um, and that was spun out of a very successful business brokerage and M&A practice that we still have. We've been running for about 10 years um, out of Colorado, Dallas and Las Vegas. So that's probably the most exciting thing in my business world right now. I'm also expecting my first child. So that's pretty Ooh. exciting in my personal world, but that's a whole other topic. <laughs> yeah. And so how did you get into uh, where you are today? What's the background behind that? Yeah. So originally, I mean, we were chatting before I was living in Naples, Florida, and I, my first business with my husband was a, a small boutique wine bar and um, also re wine retail store in Naples. And we'd grown that business over the course of three years, but had really decided that I wanted to move to Colorado and get out of that industry. So I went to sell the business and going through that sales process with a broker and really actually being exposed at a fairly young age or like 28 at the time yeah. of how you exit a business and how you move <laughs> on um, was a little bit shell shocking for me. Um, so after that experience was really when I became very interested in exits and acquisitions specifically for small to mid-sized companies. And yeah. we started our business brokerage practice. So what were some of the interesting learning points through the process, you know, as we go through a process first time, especially, and we experience it, there's usually a lot of things that we didn't realize or that kind of catch us off guard or, you know, oh, we'll never do that next time. And so just curious on some of the, the things that maybe stand out and that you remember. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is you touched on this too, is like, there's always an end in mind. And I think so much in like business school and what I had learned as experience was about starting a business or growing a business. And, and no one really talked about exiting or selling a business. It's like what I call is a third step of the journey of business ownership. And I hadn't put in a whole lot of thought into it. Um, and, and I think, so that was the realization is like business ownership is actually a journey and there is an end point. Right. And I, I hadn't put any thought into it. I didn't know anything about it. Um, the resources were really hard to figure out, like, how does this even work? How are businesses valued? Um, so that was, that was some discovery points too. And then I also found that like, it was personal too, right? You build this company, it becomes like your baby and there's, there's some personal aspects to it. You, you have like this emotional attachment sometimes to your business. Um, so those were kind of the ahas that happened to me, at least through the process. So how did you value the company? Yeah, so the bus business valuation is is often a multiple of a financial number. So typically it's a multiple of earnings and that's how our company was valued. And that's how we value the majority of the companies that we work with. So earnings being a definition of profit. Um, so net profit. And there's, there's a formula that we use to figure out, you know, how do we equalize all businesses in an industry? Um, but, and then you supply a multiple to that based on 
other businesses that are for sale, similar sizes, similar industries, and what they're selling for in the marketplace. There's private sale databases that business brokers and investment bankers have access to that we can see that information, much like you would see on Wall Street. So, okay. So then if you're doing it by a multiple, is that a multiple of two, three is, and is that to see like, okay, so this company's value is a multiple of three. I'll just make that up. And that is saying that if you buy this company, it's at the higher value because it's, it shows a revenue track record. That means that you'll get that money back over X period of time. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's based on, you're going down the right path, like an ROI for the buyer, right? So it's based on both quantity and quality and the multiples range. Um, so it's going to vary by industry. It's going to vary by size of the company. Larger companies have larger multiples because you have more room for error for a buyer right? If you're only making $50,000 a year in net, that's, that's one or two errors and you could be in the, the red very quickly. But if it's making $500,000 in earnings, you have, you know, you have a greater room for error. So the, the more um, earnings, the higher the multiple. And then there's what we call qualitative factors. And that's what we work with a lot of people on is like, yeah, everyone knows you have to grow your revenue. You have to grow your profit, but there's qualitative factors that buyers look for in a business. And oftentimes that's the track record. Like how long have they been in business? How stable is their revenue? What does their leadership team look like? What's the diversity of their products and services? And that's going to influence the multiple too. So nailing down like an exact multiple is very hard in general. Like if we look at all small businesses, meaning businesses that generate less than a million in earnings, we're probably looking somewhere between a one and six times um, multiple, which is wide range, but it's based on because of all of those factors. Right. So there's a lot of context around it. So there's a lot of different considerations and this is part of the risk assessment factor, I guess. Right. So, right. you know, if you have a profit margin, that's next to nothing, meaning you're at break even, you know, you're not going to be mul- having a high multiple. I assume, I assume it's a low multiple, right? Well, yeah. So, I mean, your multiple wouldn't change. Right. But if you're at break, even a multiple of zero is always zero. Right. So, yeah. So there, I mean, there's all, there's times where you don't use the multiple method um, or called the market method. There's sometimes where you can use an asset method where it's just adding up the value of the tangible and intangible assets and, and selling for that amount. That's usually less than the market method, but we do use that sometimes for companies that um, aren't profitable yet um, or have gone through rough times, things like that. So, but if a company is not profitable, would you say that it's not worth anything? Not necessarily. Um, something is always of value, right? It just, it like ultimately a business is only worth what a buyer is willing to pay for it, right? So part of preparation for selling your company is determining like who is your most probable buyer in the marketplace. Like, and when we say most probable buyer, it's who's anxious to buy your company, who's going to do the right thing for the legacy for the company and is willing to pay pay you a fair market price. Right, right. So identifying that person, you might have something that's not profitable, that's highly valuable to that Mm -hmm. most probable buyer. Um, But it is harder to sell a company that's not profitable. You'll have less buyers and therefore less competition. Less, yeah. I mean, that's interesting. Um, You know, I've had conversations around different companies like that and I've always been curious of the perspective because you might 
might look at a company and say, wow, there's a lot of value here, but they just really suck at marketing and we could probably pick this thing up. Right. Yeah. So, it's like, yeah. um, so I guess, you know, as you guys do, you're kind of doing an audit and looking at everything to come to conclusions, but the data is always different for each company. So it does take a bit of a, uh, I mean, I don't know if I'd say complicated, but maybe a complicated review process to really understand what what's making a tick and what's what you're willing to pay for it. Yeah, it's a pretty complex process, right? So as a buyer, you're, you know, you're presented with a lot of information and, and usually you're asked to make an offer fairly quickly into that information. But once you make an offer, you go enter into this um, period called due diligence, which is like an ex- inspection period. And that's when you really do a deep dive into the numbers. You do interviews with the owners. You figure out, like you said, like what makes this business tick? And then a lot of buyers are looking for, you know, what's the value of this business today? And what's the potential value of it to me in the future, right? Like you said, can I add, if I'm a marketing expert, can I add a marketing spin on it and really accelerate the growth very quickly? Yeah, that makes sense. That's, that's cool. So I am curious then. So how are you, what's your daily work right now that you're doing? Are you working with people to help exit companies or, um, you know, I know you do like, you know, keynote talks and stuff like that, but how are you working with small businesses right now? Yeah. Most of my day to day is working, um, with a small group of business owners. Um, we do cohorts where we're taking them through what we call our prep to sell program It's focusing on increasing the valuation of the business and the likelihood they're going to sell in the future. That program is usually about 12 months. And then I turn them over to my brokerage team, um, which then takes them to market and helps them find a buyer. Um, so that's where I spend my day to day. Like, yes, I do keynotes and podcasts and things like that, but a lot of my day-to-day is working with, um, you know, a couple groups of five to 10 right. business owners that are in this preparation phase. Okay. That's cool. So, and, but I mean, let's just for people listening, right. So whether you're been doing your thing for five years or one year, um, when is the right time to think about exiting? Great question. Um, so I think it's what I learned in my first business is that you should always have exit options for your business. So like we hear a lot about like having an exit plan and an exit strategy, and that's going to change over time depending on your company, but you should always be aware of what options you have for exit. Um, So in our brokerage business, we do about a hundred deals a year. And I can tell you 98% of those deals, the owners don't sell because of some plan or strategy. They sell because something personal came up in their lives right? Their family dynamics change. Um, there's a health scare. They have burnout. Burnout's our number one reason for sale. Um, we obviously deal in retirement a lot with demographics, right? And, And so sometimes that plan, just like everything else in life that we had, it doesn't work out. But if you can think about what are your options for exit for day one, like how do, like you said, at the beginning of our interview, like how do you begin with the end in mind? How, what is your out plan if something happens? And at least if you have those options, you're aware of them and you're designing a company that can be exited through one of those options, you're not going to be in a situation where actually most businesses don't sell. So about, um, only about, um, I think it's about 20% of all us businesses ever exit the rest of them end up going into bankruptcy or closure, right? (laughs) So it's all about positioning yourself to be in that 20%. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, and I've had some conversations before on this show about exiting and stuff. And, you know, it seems to me like the smart 
business person, to your point, like we talked about earlier, would always have an exit plan in mind. Like, so start with the end in mind, meaning maybe you're not looking to sell, but if you do have the exit in mind, you will shape the business differently. You'll take different actions and create systems because it's like, if you were planning to hand something off to someone, you are going to set it up so you can actually hand it off. Right. So if you're not thinking about that, you kind of, you know, you don't, you may not be taking those steps. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, and it seems like you have some knowledge there too. It's like, it's good to know, like, well, how do I nurture my company so that it has a higher valuation and what are the things I should be aware of? So can people go through like a program like yours, but without the intent of selling after 12 months? Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't, there's no like reason you have to sell. I actually have a woman right now. She's on a, a 10 year exit plan, right. <laughs> Which is definition <laughs> for long-term, but yeah, I mean, ultimately what we're trying to do to get a business ready for sale is a buyer wants to acquire a business that is profitable, you know, has a good reputation in the community and is efficient to run. That's ultimately what we're trying to design. So if you think about it, even if you decide not to exit, not to sell, what you end up with is a business that's more profitable, has a great reputation in the community and is efficient to run, which is as entrepreneurs is what we all want. Right. So I think that makes sense. Yeah. And what if now, does it matter? Um, A lot of the, the market is changing. Like there's a lot of different businesses coming to the market. It's not just traditional, like back in the day, brick and mortar storefront, e commerce and like selling goods. And, you know, now we have a lot of people packaging up their expertise. Right. And so the company, 10, especially in the first few years, tends to be tied to who that person is versus just the brand. Now, over time, I see people can start there and evolve to becoming the brand instead. And they kind of can, you know, go fade into the background a little more. But I think there's a lot of companies where it's the person who is the face of this brand. Have you have you dealt with this and how does that impact exiting? Yeah, we deal with it a lot. Um, and it's, and it's in traditional companies too, right? Because if, like you said, when you first start a business, it's very dependent on the entrepreneur. It's their ideas, their creation. They're the one that generates the sales. So I have a couple people in our program right now that are, um, very much the face of a company, right? So whether it's consulting, coaching, whatever, they are the brand. Um, and, and really, look, you can still sell a company like that. Like we talked about the value might be lower because of the qualitative factors. The owner might have to stay on as an employee after the fact, which is never a popular thing to do. But over time, what we try and do, and this is if you're the face of a brand, if you're the lead salesperson, if you're some critical cog in the wheel, right? it's to reduce the reliance on you. Um, so a key metric we track um, when we're tying it to sales is saying like, hey, can we get the owner to be responsible for less than 30% of the revenue over time? It's just right. a key metric that we're trying to track. Right. And that metric's tied to, you know, that's what buyers look at over 30%. They consider risky under 30%. They don't. I don't know right. why. That's just the average that buyers have told us. Mm. So, but it is it's a process. It's And it doesn't happen day one. It doesn't happen year one. It's a process over time. So if something were to happen, um, during that transition process. And it was still very much about the owner. Yes. The business is still worth something. Would it be worth the same amount when the business is completely unreliant on that owner? No, but it's, it's a, you know, 
It happens right. over time. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting, but that makes you think more. So anybody out there, you know, we're starting businesses. Maybe you are consulting now or doing the hands-on, like do it for your services where you're doing the work. So now the business is relying on your expertise. So you really want to start. It sounds like to me, correct me if I'm wrong, Jessica, start thinking about how do I over time start packaging this up where I have systems and processes that capture my expertise and we can execute, but without me, right? So right. maybe you have a team or a couple bodies in place that can do it, um, you know, other maybe courses or whatever it is. So, so now you're thinking about this evolutionary process, meaning I can't sell it as well if I'm like this linchpin of right. the company, right? Is that, that's where you're, what I'm hearing. That's exactly right. And, and it is, it's, it's a work in like personal development too, because it's, it also means letting go your ego a little bit and saying yeah. like, yeah. Hey, this isn't about me. This is about the bigger company. Um, and, and it's, it's difficult too. It's not an easy process, especially if you've developed relationships with clients, um, and you've become the face of the company look still, you know, I, I do this for a living. Right. And then still to this day, my, we'll get a lead and the clients will be like, well, I want to work with Jess and that's not ideal in the design of the company. Right. <laughs> so I still face it too. And it, it's not an easy process, but if you have that thought in your mind, um, you'll be able to build that company towards that exit. It also like relieves pressure from us as owners that if we're not doing the doing in the business, then right. we can focus on building the business and growing it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, yeah, that's something for people to think about. So as you're listening to this, I mean, that's just one of those behavioral shifts that takes place when you actually do have an exit in mind. I mean, I think most people should want to detach. Like you don't want to be trading time for money anyway, right? Because that right. sucks. But there is a there's a point of necessity for it, for learning and, and insights. So like we all start these businesses there and then hopefully can evolve away. Um, so what else are we missing? Do you have any interesting um, stories or scenarios that stand out to you that might be valuable examples for people listening, uh, things like that? Um, I mean, there's so many, right? But I know a lot of your audience is, you know, they're they're trying to build social enterprises. They're trying to build some yeah. social impact. And that's, that's a new trend. So we get asked a lot about, you know, how does that change the value or it, what what does that look like in a sale? And it's pretty much the same as, as most companies. But one thing that your listeners may want to think about, and we, we talk about this a lot, is that when you're selling a company, price or what you're getting paid for the company is, is one aspect of it. And I mentioned this before, but legacy can be more important, mm -hmm. right? So when you're starting to think about that most probable buyer, it's also not just about like, who's going to buy the business, but you know, what are your exit options where you feel like you can hand off the company and it'll be in better hands than yours yeah. in the future. And I think maybe for your audience, that's probably more important than if I'm talking to just a general group of entrepreneurs. I think that's a great point. Yeah. I mean, most people want to see the legacy live on in, in a way that they originally envisioned. Right. So, and that's, I think that's too, it's kind of comes down to like, whether you're the face of the brand or it's like the CEO, like as people invest in a company, they want to know who's in charge because that's like a major factor. So whether it's your CEO or who you bring on, or it's yourself one way or the other, you mentioned them as critical cogs in the machine, which that's what those people become. Right. Uh, so it, it, even if it's not you, you still got to make sure you have the right people in place that people can buy into. Right. 
Right. Exactly. So yeah, that's just one thing I, I keep in mind. And then we covered a lot today, just, you know, keeping in check of how much the business is about you focusing on profit again, social entrepreneurs. I see a lot of times you're like, I'm going to focus on doing good, but I always say too, like you have to make a profit to do good, right? Cause you have to have money to continue yes. to invest. So, yeah, yeah that's a big one. We have lots of those conversations with people that we coach over here. Because yep. <laughs> I always I hear, well, I don't care about the money. I'm about, I'm like, yeah, I mean, you're not you're not going to get far with your business if you don't care about. And there's nothing to be ashamed about to care about the money because that's how we can create the fullest uh, expression of our company and help the most people. So it's yep. part of this process. We do live in a. Uh, in an economic system that requires that. <laughs> yes, yes, unfortunately we do. But yeah, so I like we covered a lot today. And um, yeah. I think if you just focus on that, like you will, as, a, as an entrepreneur, you will exit your business, right? My mentor says, you'll, you'll either exit it walking out the door or you'll go feet first, um, <laughs> if you get the pun in that. But like, we all will leave. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's one way or the other, one way or the other. So it's, it's how do you want to leave? And do you want to be in control of that exit? Or do you want it to control you? Yeah, it's a good closing comment. So we'll wrap up here because I know you got some back to backs going on today. Um, where do people find you and learn more maybe about this program that you mentioned and, and just what's that program name so they can find it and yeah. So our, our company is called exit factor. It's at exitfactor.com. Um, and our course is prep to sell. That's getting ready to sell. We also have a prep to buy course. If you're interested in learning how to buy uh, businesses and then I'm on pretty much all social media, most active on Instagram and LinkedIn at, at Jessica Fiakovich. Perfect. Thank you so much, Jessica. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into the Authentic Brand Mastery Podcast. Don't forget to stop by changecreator.com for more information, fresh articles, content, and our services if you're looking to build a brand that people love. And please stop by iTunes, leave us a five-star review. We appreciate your support.